Francisco Cabrera comes to the plate to bat for the pitcher. He hacked at the 2-0, now the 2-1. Line drive and a base hit! Just as the score of the tying run, Green to the plate! And he is saved! Saved at the plate! The Braves go to the World Series! The unlikeliest of heroes wins the National League Championship Series for the Atlanta Braves. Francisco Cabrera. And Atlanta pulls out game seven with three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to episode two of the Heart of the Order podcast brought to you by Thoughts from the Bench. My name is Greg McAfee, and I'm here with my co-hosts Greg Malik and Dre Fry. But just to start, we're going to skip the introductions, and we're going to get right to the news. Last week, Manny Machado finally picked a team, signing with the San Diego Padres for 10 years, $300 million. Cha-ching! Guys, what did you think of this signing? Do you think he made the right choice? Um, I mean, we've been waiting for this for the whole offseason, and he finally comes out and makes a decision. Well, first yeah. of all, I just want to say uh, it's about damn time. Yes. It took forever. Uh, largest pro, pro contract in all of the four major sports, actually, from what I remember seeing, which, which kind of surprised me. Um, 10 year, $300 million. It was definitely something that he was looking for. Uh, I'm surprised he got the 300 mil number. I mean, the 10 year thing I, I wasn't surprised by, but give it, give him credit. He got what he wanted. Um, is it a good fit? It is not a good fit. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be blunt right there, man. Be, it be is, honest, man. Is not a good fit, just, just at all, at all. Okay, I get it. That like you, he went, he absolutely went where the money was, and we cannot even argue that, man. Like I read that the White Sox are gonna offer him 280 million with incentives to possibly get to 300, but this is a full 300 mil contract now. I will give the Padres total credit. They put that option in, which we touched on last week, that the option is going to be the key to a lot of these big contracts, and I believe it's a player option. So Machado, after his fifth season, can choose to opt out of this contract at age 31 and then maybe try to go for a bigger payday. Now, is it possible that he might not do it? Yes, that is entirely possible. It would depend on how well he does the first five years in San Diego, and it could be an up-and-down situation, but... Guys, this is this is not a good situation for him at all. I mean, do you, do you think it helps him build for the future? I mean, you you get a building block in Manny Machado, who's one of the best, who's one of the best players in the game, and a guy like him doesn't get doesn't reach the free agent market that often. Yeah, yeah, but you could also argue the same point that happened with Eric Hosmer last year too. Ironically, signed by the same team. So, ironically, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you would, you would think that it would have been kind of something that they learned from, but, I mean, I get it. Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer are not on the same level when it comes to superstar players. Like, Eric Hosmer is an, is an all-star first baseman who can be a stud for your lineup, but Manny Machado is a guy that could be a huge difference maker. But well, when, guys, when, you, when you go out and sign Eric Hosmer, I mean, you have to surround him with, uh, you know, with talent. And, unfortunately for Hosmer, they surround him with somebody who's more talented who's going to take over as the face, but... You know, if you're going to put money into someone like Eric Hosmer, you need to bring in, you know, bats because that's just telling your fan base right there, like, we're going to pump the 144 mil in the Hosmer, you know, so we're we're done rebuilding. Like, we have what we need, and we're going to start adding the requisite pieces in order to build from there to continue to build the contender because, you know, these things don't happen over – these things happen over time. And when you don't have this, you know, uh, 
adequate positions. Like they didn't have anybody in the first base, first baseman system. And Will Will Myers wasn't getting the job done at first base. So then signing Hosmer, moving Myers up to the outfield, and now bringing in Machado to help solidify, you know, a nice, you know, a nice middle of the order there uh, to add with what they have in their farm system. I like the signing for the Padres simply because of the fact that they don't have a football team no more. So really, really, it's just the Padres. It's just the Padres Padres. owning that city. Yeah. I mean, it's just them owning that city. So make it exciting. Make it fun for the fans. Well, first off, you got the San Diego fleet, so let's not be dissing on that. Just saying right there. <laughs> they're, they're three games in their pro careers. I'm sorry. I get it. I get it. I get it. Tony Gwynn no. will not be happy. All right, but I look at it from a, from, a, from an advantage of where Machado is situated right now. He's going to be playing his home game to that Petco Park. Petco Park is probably one of the worst ballparks. Like it's a terrible hitter's ballpark. A terrible hitter's ballpark. And his stats are just going to plummet after this. I'm willing to bet that a lot of the reasons why Eric Hosmer's stats did not pale in comparison to what he's normally good at producing was because he played most of his games at San- at Petco Park. So I'm going to throw that out. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, yeah, not, so I'm it, not doubting that. I'm not doubting that happens to Machado either, but you know, it's kind of hard. If you're meeting Machado, it's kind of hard to turn down $30 million. You yeah. care less about the stats. He, no, he has an opt-out. He's an opt-out. He's 31. Like, he can go to a different ballpark if he yeah. truly wants to. Now, here's the other thing that I, I find interesting. Uh, are we all in agreement that he's probably going to be starting at third base this year? Who, me yes. Machado? Yes. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I think he's gonna. I think he's going to play short. <laughs> I think he – No way. No I, way. Because the I, way that – I don't know, man. Manny Machado, like, there's, there's no, there's no way he's gonna just move over to third base after throwing a fit for the past year and a half about playing shortstop. Uh, yeah, that's like, true. I feel like right now their middle infield is Ian Kinsler at second base, and then uh, Luis Urias at shortstop, and then they're simply having Rios at, at shortstop because they want to give Tatis like some playing time in AAA before the Super 2 SAS goes up, and then they bring Tatis up, make Urias move to second, and then have Ian Kinsler coming off your bench. I mean, I mean, all right, so just to kind of clarify, ESPN has Manny Machado listed as the third baseman in their depth chart. And so does, <laughs> so does MLB.com, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that I mean, that might answer it. I mean, I just, I, I, pretty, I just figured that, you know, he's been throwing this fit for the last – you know, year and a half that he wants to play shortstop again after moving in third base for the Orioles. Um, and I mean, but I guess with Tatis behind him and I mean, I mean him being the, one of the top prospects, but yeah, uh, but, pro- that, but top prospects in baseball makes sense. <laughs> but that was like the other reason why I thought that, that you got to look at other teams. as well. Have, the, Phillies, right? the, the Phillies, they could have used them at shortstop. Cause I mean, you have Segar, but you could shift in the second. And you yeah, can play true. Machado at short. Uh, that's another team, and they're you know ready to contend right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could you, you could think, possibly you, make an argument for another team too. You yeah, you could have Mikel Franco play at third base, and that would have been completely fine putting Machado at shortstop. Actually. Yeah, so yeah, and you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have that friction. Do you think mm-hmm. him playing third base had anything to do with the contract negotiations um, with him coming in? Do you think that had that? I mean, obviously, it was probably talked about. But do you think that had any um, way in where he went? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because you're paying someone $300 million. So wherever he plays, you figure that out later. You leave that to the manager. That's not up to the GM. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's going to play. I think he is going to play short. 
Uh, I know I said a little bit earlier when it's first brought up that he's not going to play short, but he is. He threw a fit entire year uh, about the whole fact that he wasn't playing short. And then the whole reason the Dodgers didn't bring him back is because they're set at shortstop. Uh, Corey yep. Seager's healthy. Like, there's no need to put him there. They didn't know where to put him. So you know he was a rental. And, you know, I took my cap for them to go and get him to go and get him because he was the best bat on the market at the time during the deadline. But you're not going to tell your $300 million player that you can't play shortstop because you have this young and upcoming stud who has never proven himself on the major league stage that he's going to play shortstop. The only way you make that switch is midseason if Machado is not playing good defensively. And then you say, hey, man, you got to go back to third because we got this kid who's ready to go. And, you know, I think Tatis is going to be the one that ends up playing third. And Machado's at short. Yeah, but isn't that a bad look, though, telling your $300 million investment that you're not playing up to par and that you need to move the third base to make room for a younger guy? It is, but if he, it, it is only if he's playing okay. Like, if he's not playing, if he's playing terrible shortstop this year, I, Machado got to do his best for the team, regardless of his yeah. contract. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean cannot... you, you could sell it as the guy taking, taking a hit and, you know, moving over for the betterment of the team as well. Yeah, I'm going to be completely upfront here. I personally think Manny Machado is a better third baseman than a shortstop. I agree. I do too. I, I just completely think that because looking at him, I think he's too big to be a shortstop. I, mean, I, he, I, I think he's going to lose his speed as, as his career goes on as well. His speed is going to be an issue. He, he's not going to have an issue with his arm. His arm is definitely something that plays very, very well for third base. So I feel like he has the range. I feel like he has the arm. That's a position that I feel like is his best place. I remember when he was a prospect coming out of the draft that he was playing shortstop, and every single scout consensus said that he was going to have to move to third base eventually because he was going to outgrow it. I mean, he covers, when you he get bigger, so much ground at third base, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah and when and he's, I, he got a cannon. Yeah, he does. Yeah, if you have an arm like that, you don't waste it playing shortstop. I'm sorry. If you're a shortstop, you need the range, but you got to be able to be nimble and quick to be able to make those plays. I Manny Machado does not have that for me. I feel like he can he's got the range to be able to make dives, but he has an arm that is something that you need at third base. Yeah, of course he doesn't have the range. I mean the guy doesn't even run down third base he doesn't even run down the first baseline. He's very <laughs> open about that. That's <laughs> very accurate. Yeah. So So I then mean, think so then thinking about that then if you have someone that's not willing to run around first base, then what does that do to your clubhouse dynamic when you have so many of these young players that you're trying to groom and bring up and I mean, like, it's something that the Padres have been doing for the last three years is collecting all this young talent now. I mean, you bring someone like Machado who might not mesh with that. How do you see that fitting out? Well, I don't think that really – I don't think that's really going to affect them. I think more so the fact that they're even bringing him in the first place just sends a message to your entire team and fan base that, like, hey, now it's the time. You know, again, we have we, – we still have some work to do, but he's the piece that we need that we're going to go forward into – capturing the NL West crown because, you know, we talked about Tatis. He's the second best prospect in baseball. He rises to the top 20 prospect. They got tons of other guys in the system. Mackenzie Gore, uh, Cal Quintrell, who's ready to take over in this rotation. They got a lot. They got 10 guys in the top 100 and that's to help them kind of in the prospect list, the top 100 prospect list to help them go out and get what they need. Because we talk about Machado and I mentioned Hosmer. And Will Myers, but guys, outside of Machado, they don't really have the rotation, and you know it kind of sucks. So you can tell your guys whatever you want in terms of going to get that NOS crown, and you could say, "Hey, Machado's going to play wherever he wants," but 
you know, now's the time to go get it. And they can't really go get it without the starting pitching. So, I mean, we talk about. How long do you think they wait until they make a move? It's tough. I can't wait long. First big name is out there. They got to go get him. I say Marcus Stroman's the first big name made available. Or via trade? Trade, well, they got pieces of trade. Uh, I don't see a trade happening now, but free agency. I mean, Dallas Keuchel's out there. So, yeah, they should bring them. them. They should. If I'm them, I avoid spending money, but at the same time, they can spend whatever they want considering they just paid $300 million for Manny Machado. Yeah, I just saw, too, that there was talk that they were still going to be interested in talking to Bryce Harper. I mean, I, I get it. Like, you're willing to throw the money out there, but guys, like, come on. You, you don't have a rotation. I would much rather be smart and use my money on a on a decent starting pitcher, not necessarily a number one, but a good number two to help solidify that, kind of help the younger guys move along and at least give my rotation some credibility and something of a fear factor to work with before I think about spending another $300 million contract on someone. I mean, just to, just to kind of throw this out there, if they somehow land Bryce Harper this this offseason... And that's that been talked about. Do you think they trade the farm system to bring in like two or three pitchers? You think yeah. they, you think they go all yeah. in if they get Bryce Harper? You think they go all in trade Tatis for some big arm in the league somewhere, bring a couple other guys in that can solidify the rotation and just go all in this year? I think they I realize that the rotation is is not up to par to where they need to be. I, I really believe that and they have to look and they realize, hey, we have a great lineup right now. We would sacrifice some long term development guys that we love. But at the same time, though, like if we want to compete in the NLS, we want to be the team that finally knocks off the Dodgers this year. We got to get something in this rotation because they are not going to be good this year at pitching. I'm sorry. They are they are just not going to be good at pitching. They could have as many. They could have Harper, Machado, Will Myers and Hosmer in the middle of that lineup. But pitching wins championships, guys. It does. Uh, you're absolutely right. And the only thing that's really going for them, I guess, is the fact that they're pitching in a pitcher friendly ballpark. Yep. Uh, that's the only thing that really helped these guys. Uh, look, you look at this rotation. I'm not. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I have not heard of any one of these guys. Neither have I. Uh, <laughs> Joey Joey is their. He's listed as our opening day starter, and I think that's just because one hasn't really been confirmed. But you have him, Eric Lauer, Robbie Erlin, Jacob Nix, and Luis Perdomo. Uh Guys, these are no names for me. So I guess it's another good thing because you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, there's no big names there, but you know, if we don't know who they are, chances are maybe the rest of Major League Baseball doesn't know who they are. So that mystery factor is nice, but that's not going to be enough to contend in the NL West because the Dodgers are really sick and they are stacked. Uh, if they get Bryce, uh, then I would try to trade everybody that they can except for Tatis. And Mackenzie Gore, you don't want to subtract from, you don't want to subtract from your starting, uh, from your future starting pitching, and you don't want to take away a potential star entities to try and go get something to help. Uh, but that's just me. If the right deal comes along, then anybody should be for sale. Like, if, for example, if. Uh, the Giants are willing to trade Mass and Bumgarner, and they're asking for Tatis. I make that trade, straight up. Yeah, but if, if the yeah, I mean, why not? Madison Bumgarner has been there before. He's won a he's World Series. We saw the running maiden. We saw. I mean, he's only thirty-one guys, and he's an he's ace. Not, 
he's on a decline though, man. Like yeah. his, I know, I know this, I know this. Uh, that's why I do it straight up. <laughs> I do. I hate Madison Bumgarner, but you can't deny the fact that you know he can, he can still kind of, you know, swing it, and he's done it before. Uh, I think after all that, I think the injury and stuff should be behind him. He should have a decent year. Uh, but you know, if you need an ace like that, maybe that's who I go call. Uh, maybe the Mets. I uh, will see what happens with uh, Jake, Jacob Degrom if they're willing to sell him and Tatis's there. That's probably actually a better deal now I think about it. Yeah. They're gonna have to give up a lot more than Tatis, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I mean, but you have Tatis in part of that deal, just kind of the headliner from the Padres to get Jacob Degrom, Cy Young winner Jacob Degrom. It'd be huge. Like, it'd be huge. It would yeah. be. And again, all hypotheticals, obviously. But I'm just saying, if a, if an ace opens up that you have to go get, and Tatis is being talked about, then yeah, they have to do it. Otherwise, you're not giving away for nothing. Well, now that we've kind of broken down the uh, the Padres situation, we can get into the rest of the NL West for our division breakdown. Um, over the next couple episodes, guys, we're going to be breaking down each division um, as opening day inches closer and closer. This episode, episode two, is we're going to break down the, the entire NL West. Um, so just real quick first, I had one more question. Where do you think Bryce Harper signs now that Manny Machado's signed? And how much money do you think he makes? Uh, I definitely, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Phillies and I'm going to say around $330 million over 10 years. Malik, what about you? I was, I was going to say the same thing, except I was going to go 320 because I feel like he's going to use Machado as the litmus. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say the Phillies. I was going to probably say like 310, 320. Um, but <laughs> but let's uh, let's get into the NL West. Um, let's start with the uh, the reigning NL West champions, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, guys, give me a breakdown. What do you think? Um, how do you think they do this year? What's up? This is the best rotation in the division, and it's not even close. Uh, Clay, Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, and a future all-star in Walker Bueller leading this rotation. They are nasty. Bueller. They are they are Walker Bueller. Thank you. I love it. Bueller. 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 <laughs> I love it. Um, we got Corey Seager coming back. He's probably going to be the comeback player of the year, and it's not even up for discussion. The guy. I love a, watching Corey Seager. I love Corey Seager. So good. And then I'm still trying to figure out how the outfield lineup is going to look because you put A.J. Pollock out there in center field, especially if he's healthy. That's a five-tool player that you have out there. And you have Cody Bellinger in left and probably Jock Peterson in right. You still have Alex Verdugo, who's a top prospect. He's not an elite-level guy, but he is someone that they're very excited about. So that's a nice little depth option right there. The only concern that I have might be the bullpen. Uh, I know Kenley Jensen is an all-star closer and all that. I heard he lost a lot of weight this offseason, especially with his heart condition. But yeah, he, he kind of yeah, he kind of. I remember some bits during the season where his velocity was kind of struggling a little bit. So I I'm a little intrigued to see how the bullpen goes up this year. But I I think it's there's no one that's gonna the Dodgers are definitely winning this division and this time and close. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to further go into that bullpen, uh, I didn't realize this, but they signed Joe Kelly. Uh, so Joe Kelly can throw. That's your boy World over Series there. Red Sox, yeah, <laughs> World Champ. Series Red Sox. Uh, they signed Joe Kelly to help sure up that bullpen. And they also have Tony Singrani uh, from the Reds. Oh, so Singrani's nasty. It, yeah, so it, 
the, the bullpen, in my opinion, is very underrated. I mean, they got that. Uh, you know, they got those arms out there and Jansen sliding in the closers role. Uh, I'm very – I'm so glad to know that Corey Seager's back and he's going to be on this opening day roster because he's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, such such a shame he got Tommy John surgery. But, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you, Malik. Best, this is the best team in the NL West, and it's not even close. Uh, yeah. Clayton Kershaw, all-time ace. He's one, one of my favorite pitchers ever. Uh, one of the best to ever do it, in my opinion, just dominating hitters night after night all the time. Uh, the outfield situation is weird, though, like you said. Uh, signing A.J. Pollock was a big thing uh, because it said two things. It said, one, uh, you know, we are basically we're we're basically done with – well, not done, but they're kind of fading away from Jock P- Peterson. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to be the guy. Uh, you know, he's okay defensively, but A.J. Pollock obviously is just as good, if not better, than Peterson in center uh, defensively, and he's way better offensively. And they got him at a price that, in my opinion, was very affordable. I believe it was five years, $60 million, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, number two, uh, like you said, Cody Bellinger, uh, that officially kind of throws him up in the air because uh, he played a lot of center field last year uh, when Pedersen was struggling because, obviously, Bellinger's sick. Uh, But they have him actually in right field, according to MLB, so that's nice. Uh, He's kind of flipped around between first, center, right, left, but now uh, he has a lockdown position in right field, uh, which is good for him. So, uh, yeah, you got those guys out there. Justin Turner's a beast. Uh, Taylor, uh, I like Chris Taylor at second base. So now he also has a lockdown position at Muncie at first. It's just top to bottom. It's everything. It's everything you want uh, in a World Series contender. Do you think Do you think after losing guys like Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig, uh, they take a step back this year, or do you think um, that, I mean, they're going to be even better than they were last year? I think they're going to be even better just because I feel like Puig was a was a headache and a distraction a lot of times for that Dodger team, especially with their manager. I, I have a funny feeling that the coaching staff did not like dealing with Puig, and I feel like getting him out of there might be one of the better things to happen to them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, I think Matt can I think Matt can the freeze at third throw him in my lineup. Chris Taylor can play outfield if you want to give Pollock a day off because, again, we talk about his injury history. Uh, right. If you're going to throw Verdugo in there, uh, Bellinger can go to first, and you get Muncie in second. Like, you can literally inter- you can literally mix and match this lineup so much and be 100% confident you're going to go out there and get a W because they are the deepest team in the NLS and arguably Major League Baseball. That's crazy. All right. It is crazy to think about. <laughs> do, you think, do, you think they, do you think they go for uh, three straight appearances? Uh, I, I think they got a very good chance. Uh, I'm not going to – I made a, I made a bold prediction before. I'm not ready to go there yet because we're just getting started. Okay. Okay. So I I'm, I'm going to wait. I did predict the Dodgers were going to go to the World Series this year, so I'm going to say yes. I'm gonna yeah, back so... off. I'm gonna back off just because. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I'll make my final prediction right before the season. There we all go. right, all right. I like it. I so like it. We can uh, we can get into the Colorado Rockies. I say we go next. Um, no one. I like going. I like going Tommy out west. Blackman. Um, these boys are Trevor Story. These boys are dangerous. Last year, um, Malik. You know, I know you. I know you like your. Or was it? I can't remember which one of you liked these guys. Like the. Rockies. I did. I know. Oh, it's 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 Nolan Arenado, best mm-hmm. best 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 third baseman in baseball. 
And Preach. it's not even close. That's Preach. Oh, my God. And he's in a contract year. Let's not forget that, guys. He is in a contract year. He is going to put up MVP-like numbers this year because he wants to get paid. Now, the argument that we could also make here is that he's entering free agency two years older than Manny Machado was when he entered free agency. So he might not get as big of a contract as Machado did, but let's not forget the fact that he is relied on so much more than Manny Machado. He's got his head straight. He is a gold glover at third base, and it is just scary how good this guy is. Consecutive gold gloves. Consecutive gold gloves. Thank you. Um, a guy so, who I could see as a great breakout prospect for them is uh, David Dahl, left fielder. Uh, he was injured a lot last year. I remember when he was coming up through the draft, the Pirates had a deal for him, but uh, turned him away because they wanted to take a shot on Mark Appel. That blew up in their face, obviously, but I digress. Uh, Dahl has great Dahl has great five tools potential out there. He's going to be in left field. He got some space to cover, but it's it's not the worst thing in the world. My biggest, my biggest concern, and I don't know if you guys share this or not, but uh, I know we talked about how Daniel Murphy is probably going to be the first baseman there, but I don't know, man. I, I look at Daniel Murphy at first base. I also look at Ian Desmond as the potential starting center fielder for them. And it's like, I feel he's, like there should be still has the legs to do that. I, I mean, I don't know where else they're going to put him though. So that's like what's throwing me off here. Because if you bring in Daniel Murphy, because they had Ian Desmond play first base last year, yeah, I mean, but you bring Murphy and bring Murphy. And I mean, you can't put Murphy in the outfield. So it's like, you got to put Desmond somewhere. So put, it's kind of Blackman. If you put him in, if you put Desmond in center, I'll put Blackman in right field. I I like right now looking at major league, looking at MLB, it has, uh, has Blackman and left. And I agree with you about Desmond. Uh, I don't know if he can do any more. I don't know if he has the legs. Uh, Cause that's a lot of ground out there to cover. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> So huge park there, man. Huge. Uh, so, my uh, my whole thought press behind this is I would put Blackman in center, Dahl in left, and uh, Desmond in right uh, because, uh, again, just thinking, you know, law of averages here. Uh, there's a lot more righties that are going to be in a lineup night and night out as opposed to lefties. So I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my fresh legs. I'm trying to keep my uh, star defenders over to where uh, the balls are going to potentially be hit. So uh, try to avoid Desmond to do the least amount of running as possible because, again, uh, you don't want him You don't want him to just kind of die out, fatigue, chasing balls all over the place in cores. Yeah, uh, and especially with this too, Dre, I know we've, we've had this conversation before, but I need you to sell me on this rotation again because I, I'm not impressed by them. I'm really not like I, I think German Marquez got lucky in the second half of the year. I like John Gray, but I don't think he's he's consistent. And it's just, I don't know, man. There's there's this rotation doesn't impress me that much. Well, again, uh, the reason why is because you're forgetting about the ace of this rotation, 25 year old breakout star Kyle Freeland last uh, year. All right, 17 and seven, 285 ERA. Uh, pitched 200 innings struck out 175 guys like uh i like kyle freeland uh you know last year he really kind of came on he got a net he got a nasty breaking ball which he you know worked it works well off his fastball to switch you know switch speeds on hitters so he's really deceptive 
Uh, he got some Cy, he got some Cy Young votes last year, which was nice because I thought he deserved it. Uh, John Gray, I think, is going to be the key uh, because they drafted John Gray very high. I believe he was taken number one, maybe number two overall uh, whenever they were there. And you expect a guy like that to really kind of take that step forward to where uh, Freeland is right now. Uh, so, honestly, if John Gray ends up being the guy that they think he can be when they draft him, he might be the one that ends up ends up being, you know, Cyan caliber, which is good because then they get deeper because if Freeland essentially slides in the two spot, then you really got to think that they just became a lot more dangerous. Uh, so for them to succeed, I think, again, I think Freeland's going to fall, but I think a lot of it's going to be on the guy you just said, John Gray. And I don't know. I just don't know about him. You think, do you think, who, do you think this is a sleeper team in, in the NL West? Do you think they could have a chance to, um, contend down the line if everyone plays to the level they're capable of playing at? I think that I think if there's any team in the West that has the potential to knock off the Dodgers, uh, this is it. We're looking at them uh, because they have the best home field advantage that there is. Uh, you know, playing in, playing in cores, uh, it's nice uh, that you're able to use that because uh, use the altitude in everything because they're not going to play guys like the Dodgers every night. They're, you know, they're going to end up playing some pretty bad teams at home. And some of those teams are going to be able to hit. And, you know, with this lineup, Trevor Story, Aaron Otto, uh, Desmond Dahl, Blackman, David Murphy, these guys are going to, they're going to slug it all over course. So, uh, you know, whenever they face a team like the Giants, who we'll get into a little bit later, uh, they face the Giants. There's three wins right there where uh, you're talking about the uh, Dodger could be on the road playing the Cubs. So it's, you know, having that, I think, is going to help them. So now, uh, you know, now that we talked about three out of the five teams in the division, we can get down to the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, led by former Boston Red Sox manager, Tori Lavulo. Um, uh, my man, my myth. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so they, they've kind of uh, had a good past couple of years um, getting to the wild card uh, a couple of years ago, and then um, this offseason, they trade Paul Goldschmidt, who's been literally their backbone um, for the last seven, eight years. Um, they still have Zach Greinke. A.J. Pollock is gone. Um, they're kind of a young team, I feel like. Uh, Patrick we, Corbin's also gone. Don't forget that. Yeah, Patrick Corbin's gone as well. So the the core they had um, for the past two or three years is, is gone. It's disappeared. Um, so what do you what do you think they can do this year, guys? Um, I know, Malik, uh, you have a, a pretty hot take on these guys. Guys, I I'm telling you right now, this is a very very underrated team, and it's something. It's a team that people should not be sleeping on whatsoever. I look at this entire this entire team, especially with the offense that you have. Jake Lamb is an underappreciated hitter, absolutely underappreciated, and I think he is going to fit in great at first base. Your middle infield is Nick Ahmed and Wilmer Flores. In terms of defense, you can't beat that, and Nick Ahmed might be the Gold Glove winner at shortstop again this year by the way and then you look at the outfield Dave Peralta is a solid guy Steve Sousa is a solid right fielder as well and Ketel Marte had a breakout year last year you're putting him back in center field taking over AJ Pollock's shot I think he doesn't miss a beat I think he's going to do great and I look at their rotation and yes they do have Granke there's a lot of talk about he might not be back this year but I'm looking at the rest of it you got John DePlanter you got Luke Weaver I think there's some talent right there, and I think it's something. Man, that... Robbie Ray. 
Oh, Robbie Ray. I forgot about him. Thank you for reminding me. Robbie Ray is a very, very underrated guy as well. So he, he is, and I think Zach Godley's another underrated, yeah, underappreciated pitcher. He, he's a, he's a good, mm-hmm. like, three, four, five guy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, give you give you uh, innings at the back end of the rotation. He's pretty solid. But Robbie Ray. Yeah. yeah. One wild card guy that would be very weird for this team is Carson Kelly. And the reason I say that is Carson Kelly is one of the guys that they got in the Paul Goldschmidt trade along with Luke Weaver. Kelly didn't really put up a lot of great offensive stats when he was in AAA, but his defense is very, very well regarded. And in terms of catching, I think that is probably the most important aspect that you need on that team. So I think if he is a solid backstop, which they haven't had in a while, commanding that rotation that they have, I think he's going to be a huge, huge pickup for them and could actually do some wonders there. They've kind of had... <clears throat> they've kind of had a couple of like older older catchers um yeah who basically have just been able to manage the the, the rotation but literally don't have like, i mean chris ionetta's past his prime didn't really have a bat jeff way Mathis, past his prime yeah jeff math is past his prime but one of the best defensive catchers in the game i feel like or at least not defensive but um be the having the talent to kind of manage a rotation if you know what i mean just a good guy to yeah have in the clubhouse things like that um but yeah, I mean Carson Kelly, I think could play a huge, a huge role for the Diamondbacks as well. Um, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see kind of how they respond um, after losing Goldschmidt because he's been like their back. I mean, like I said, he's been their backbone, um, and he's been th- their guy. Uh, so it should be interesting, kind of how their season plays out. I think yeah. a lot of these guys step up in the fact that they don't have Goldschmidt to rely on anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be tough to replace a 5.4 war, uh, war player. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is he's elite, so uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure. But we'll see how they respond. Uh, you're talking about again, 33 homers, uh, 83 RBIs to just replace. And I understand that they have uh, that they are going to slide Jake Lamb over there, brought in Flores, uh, Marte, who is again. Uh, I also like to tell Marte, I think he's very underappreciated as well. But again, it's because he just kind of broke out, so people are just kind of learning who he is. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough hill for them to climb. Uh, you know, and they're the team that's flying under the radar, and sometimes that's yeah. the most defense or the most uh, the most uh, deadliest team. That's what I was going for. That's <laughs> a team you don't a team you don't want to run into. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see how that really uh, pans out. Uh, I have them. I'm finishing a third though, uh, simply just because uh, again you can't replace a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, and I just think that the daughters and Rockies are just that much better uh, than them. Uh, but again, uh, it's a tough team. Tough team right here. Uh, Peralta, Marte, Souza. Uh, Souza could stay healthy. That's nice. And Nick Ahmed, again, uh, gold glove, uh, gold glove shortstop. So uh, I guess my question is uh, regarding this team is because I think they're going to be in third. So I already know the answer to this for me, which is yes. Uh, do you think Zach Granke gets traded? Yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. They need. Okay. I think it's also. Yeah. Also like looking at their. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Yeah. No, no. I I agree. I think they're in a rebuilding year. Um. I think they're relying on some arms that they got in their minor leagues to get some work and then eventually get brought up. Um. I think Granky has kind of. I think that contract was ridiculous when they gave it to him, and I think they're kind of eating. They're biting themselves for it. That was dev- that was before Tony Larusa took over in the managerial role. I mean, the the GM and operations role and all that. So it's kind of like, 
I feel like they don't want to be dealing with that anymore. So, and Granky's kind of that weird case where there's nights where he'll, where he'll be an ace, but there the last couple of years that he's been getting shelled way more than he's been a true ace there. So I think he's going to be making his way out pretty soon. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think at the trade deadline, the, there will be a lot of teams kind of looking at him to see um, if he's available. I think he will be available, kind of depending on how he throws this year. Because I mean, with that contract, and if he's not, you know, performing up to par. Um, a lot of people are going to be running away from him rather than <laughs> trying to uh, trying to bring him onto their squad. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I'm not as uh, as optimistic um, as you guys are with this team. I don't I don't think they're going to pan out. I'd probably put them. I, I'd say 500. I'll, yeah, honestly, I'd probably, I think I'd probably it's a two like horse race. 500, maybe just below. Yeah. Um, I mean, they won 82 last year with Goldschmidt. Um, I look at it, this is the same situation that happened with the Pirates when they when they got rid of McCutcheon and Cole. They finished with a better record. I'm just, I'm being honest, man. I think they have the talent to be able to make up for it, and I think they're going to have a good year. Yeah, but I will say, I will say this, and I love him to death, honestly, but you got to look at Andrew McCutcheon, and you, he's not Paul Goldschmidt. That's uh, fair, but I'm, but I'm, so, but what I'm trying to say is I'm looking at it from the same comparison where like you get rid, you lose your star player. Yeah, I, I feel a, like you have the talent around you to kind of bring it back up. Yeah, that's a fair comparison too. Uh, yeah. Because again, I talk about 33 homers and. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Looking, in terms of in terms of output, I'm not comparing Goldschmidt and McCutcheon. It's not even close on that one. Yeah. No, I I know exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Uh, Goldschmidt's clearly a better player, but replacing somebody like Paul Goldschmidt is just not going to be so easy. But uh, mm-hmm. again, if they just commit to the, I guess we'll, I'll call it a soft rebuild, uh, just because uh, like or more like a retooling, uh, mm-hmm. so to say, uh, getting you know turning Goldschmidt and then Cranky here in the future. Uh, but you know we talk about these guys on this team, and there's still some good players here. So you know uh, if they can kind of just take Cranky and maybe bring in some. Uh, MLB ready prospects, then they'll be okay to compete here in the next two to three years uh, because their farm really isn't as stocked as we think it is. Uh, their number surpri- one prospect, John Dupointer, he's only ranked 80 in uh, yeah, MLB.com. But after losing all those guys, too, they have eight picks in the top 100 in this year's draft. That is true. Yeah, that is 100% true. They are going to restock that farm system in a hurry. So I don't see that being an issue anymore. But, guys, I will leave it when I talk about this team. Jake Lamb is going to have a big year, and I think he's going to really make a name for himself in the casual baseball fan. Do you think, like, a silver slugger type year? Um, I, I type think year? He, um, he, he was getting into that territory last year before he came with some injury issues. So mm-hmm. I think Jake Lamb is going to be a silver slugger candidate this year. I really do. I mean, I can agree with it. I mean, when I was out in Arizona, I saw him play, and he's, I mean, he's a different type of guy. I mean, he's he'll, yeah. he'll he has the ability to carry a team. Um, I think he's just lacked the opportunity um, as of so far through his career, just because of having Goldschmidt kind of in that position for the Diamondbacks for so long. Um, so That's I mean, part of the reason why I feel like a lot that this team is going to make some noise this year because of the fact that they were hidden for so much because everyone looked at Goldschmidt, but with Goldschmidt gone, these guys are going to step up and take the reins and of that organization and be the ones to carry it. So I look forward to seeing them this year. Young team could, could, uh, you know, provide a spark. Um, but let's Absolutely. get into the uh, last team um, in the NL West, the San Francisco giants. 
<laughs> we were kind of talking before the podcast, and uh, we all kind of had we all kind of came to the same conclusion that the Giants aren't going to be very good this year. And their manager Bruce Bochy is on his way out, retiring after a storied, possibly Hall of Fame career. Um, he's going to be making his uh, his final lap around the league um, this season on a not so good team. Um, guys, what are you thinking for these guys? Uh, right, we'll start off. <laughs> yeah, uh, where yeah, do we where do we where do we really begin here? Uh, first off, I will go on record right now. Uh, since I have the platform and I will say that I absolutely just don't like Madison Bumgarner as a person, but as a player, <laughs> as a player, he's phenomenal and he, but he's on a decline. I'll just give him his credit where it's due. Uh, so yeah, I just want to get that off my chest. Um, okay. Now there's something that's not <laughs> no, so it's personal. Okay. Glad you did. <laughs> something that's not so personal. Uh, looking at this team, uh, it's just guys, this is not good. Uh, Last year, they tried to bring in Longo and Kutch, and they thought that they were going to, you know, kind of be back on top of the mountain and carry their guys, you know, and have their pitching carry them. But it just didn't work out for them. And now you look at this team, uh, no Kutch. They still have – they do still have Longo, but it's just their outfield, Chris Shaw, Steven Duggar, uh, Mac Williamson. You got Joe Slater. Yeah, Austin Slater, like you got Joe Panic, who is average at best at second. Brandon Belt, who actually did quietly have a decent year last year. I will give him that. Uh, but you have him, Posey, uh, Baumgartner uh, is obviously the ace of this rotation. Uh, but after that, uh, Samar just locked in bad contract. Johnny Cueto got Tommy John, so he's not here. Derek Rodriguez, Andrew Suarez, Chris Stratton. They don't like the world on fire. Uh, in my opinion... They also got Drew uh, Pomeranz, too. They do. Uh, they do have Pomeranz, but, again, he's not lighting my world on fire. Uh, I just <laughs> see I just see this team being the worst in the division, and I see Bochy's farewell tour not being so uh, so good to him. Uh, so, yeah, to me, this is the last place team in the division uh, by far. It's not even close. They, they, could, they could rival the lose honor games this year. I think it's that bad. That bad? I don't... I don't know if I'm going to go 100 games because I feel like there's some solid players on that team that are going to probably still fight. Um, I mean, like I, I like Brandon Crawford. Uh, I just picked up young Jervis Solarte, who I think is underappreciated. Um, I mean, I, I don't hate Steven Duggar. I, I agree with you. I love Brandon Belt. I think Posey is on the last leg of his career too. I, I just think that – being a catcher on that team for so long has been kind of beating him down. And I mean, they drafted Joey Bart last year to be the replacement for him eventually. So, uh, I mean, his farewell is coming up as well. I mean, the rotation, it's it's young. I'll give it that. I actually like Derek Rodriguez for some reason. I know it's Pudge's kid and all that, but like it's, he, he had a, he had a decent like debut last year. So I could see some, some growing pains this year. It might actually like open some eyes. I wouldn't be surprised, but I mean, this is a team that just got a new general manager. Uh, I believe his name was uh Farah Zalim. He's uh he's from the Dodgers organization. So he's familiar with how to build a contender. He's from the Tampa Bay Ray mindset too, of being a team that builds through the draft and, you know, international players and all that. So I, I think this is definitely rebuilding here. I think they're going to try to get as much as they can out of mad bum for the first half of the season. 
and then sell him as high as possible to get a very, very solid return to kick start that rebuild. Um, but no, looking, looking at it, I mean, the minor league system doesn't impress me either. I think uh, Tyler Beatty and Joey Barter are the only two top guys. Well, actually, Elliot Ramos, but he's not ready to come up this year. So it, it's going to be a really, really rough year for San Francisco fans. I don't see 100 losses like Dre does, but, I mean, I, I oh. think they'll, they'll fight. I don't see a hundred. I see around. I see around a hundred. So it could be anywhere from, I think, ninety-seven to like one and four. Okay. So I, I, not, I, I don't I'm think it'll be that. I'm not gonna say that bad, but I mean, like, I will say they're definitely not gonna have winner this year. Yeah, it's last. It's last place regardless. It's just a matter of oh, how yeah, far. Right. How, is it is it last in the West or is it last in Major League Baseball? Oh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Have you seen the Miami Marlins? Yeah, right. I have. So I mean, <laughs> let's let's let let's pump the brakes on that, my friend. God hey, damn. I'm just I'm just saying that that doesn't change the fact that they could still lose 100 games. I'm just saying, like, where what's gonna happen? So you know. Uh, last and less guaranteed. Yeah, I, 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 I can't argue that either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I'm with, I'm with you though. Uh, Mad bomb. Uh, you know, just see, see what he can do for you. Uh, see what you can get. Uh, worst case scenario, uh, and this is probably best case scenario for Bochi, is that uh, you know, if he doesn't bring back the package that they think he can at the deadline, uh, they can try to unload him in the off season when Bochi, when uh, Bochi's gone. Uh. I think Posey's also going to move his way out. Like, you're looking at a team, you're looking at an era, I think, of, uh, you know, because, you know, look, some of these guys on the Giants, Baumgartner, uh, well, not Longo, uh, Crawford was around then, Belt, uh, Posey. Uh, they're kind of like, yeah, Panic is kind of like the core that they had whenever they won uh, those three World Series in uh, those even years. Uh, three and five, I believe it was, 2012, 14, 16. Yeah, you're, I believe so. Uh, so yeah. those guys were around. So this is the end of an era that we're looking at. And, uh, you know, they brought back Sandoval for the uh, for the last ride for both <laughs> uh, yesterday. So by the just, way, uh, speaking of – by the way, Mac, whatever happened to Panda when he went to Boston? Uh, uh, any they, insight on that? They gave him a big-ass contract, and then he gained, like, 80 pounds, it seemed like. and he just Oh, so it was the Carl Crawford situation. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I got I mean, you. Carl, yeah. But Carl worse. got eaten by the Green Monster. That's all that. that it's pro- it's probably worse. It's probably worse I mean, because he, like, like he played like I think he played like half a season maybe, and then or no, he played that first full season. Or he got hurt halfway through his first season, and then he came back for spring training the next year. And he was like, it was that was when you had the infamous picture of him like his coat was like halfway up his stomach, and you could just see his like three hundred pounds. And then and he yeah. made it back to the major league. But... You want to talk about range for third base? Ooh, some good range right there. <laughs> you had big you, <laughs> you, you had Crawford get you had Crawford getting eaten, and then you had Panda doing the eating. Yeah, pretty Just much. Wild, two, two, <laughs> two crazy, two crazy extremes on the spectrum. They had, they had those were two huge contracts too. They gave Carl Crawford so much money, but I was yeah, really excited. Was... I was really excited when they signed Carl Crawford because I loved him when he played for the Rays. And um, then he just kind of. I love that deal too. Yeah, I did. That was the year they brought in Agons too, Adrian Gonzalez, Mm -hmm. and they spent a bunch of money. And then I think that was the year that Bobby Valentine was the manager, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, (laughs) it was bad. Shame. But now they're now they're World Series champions. So, Um, so, Uh, yeah. So I mean, just to kind of get back to the Giants, do you? So do you guys think it's a fire sale ultimately by like midseason? I'm sorry, I repeat that. I missed it. Do you guys think it's a fire sale 
um, by midseason for the Giants? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do, unless the only player uh, – I think it's a fire sell if uh, if Baumgartner is pitching well and Posey is hitting okay uh, because any team could use the veteran backstop. And Posey, and obviously, uh, if you're competing, uh, pitching's at a premium, so you want to stockpile as much as you can. Uh, but in my, in my opinion, it's full-blown fire sell. You might even see guys like Crawford, Panic, Belt, all go. If someone's willing to buy them, mm-hmm. uh, then why wouldn't you sell them? Because yeah, the team I'd is, say they're not ready to compete in the near future. If they're gonna, they'll be ready to compete when Joey Bart comes up. And right now, that's not looking. That's not looking like he's coming up at least for another year or two. Yeah, yeah I say Mad Bum and Longo are probably the first two that are gonna go. Longo just because he's older and probably on a decent contract. I think the other three guys they're probably gonna hold up to get a better offer for it. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good fire sale this year. This is the GM. The GM definitely wants to rebuild into his own image. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, Bruce Bochy, do you guys think he's a Hall of Fame coach, manager? Bochy's going to be an interesting, interesting thing because he has three. He has three, uh, three World Series championships uh, in five years. But uh, I think he is, and I think he is just based off the fact that three in five years uh, is pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, he's going to finish near the top uh, because this team's not going to do it. He needs 92 wins, I believe, to hit uh, 2,000, and that's the golden number for managers because every manager who has 2,000 wins, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, if he's going to come close to that, uh, you can't really knock him for that fact that, like, he's not going to hit 2,000, so he's not a Hall of Fame coach, but I think he is because, you know, he took those teams there to the World Series, and he managed very well, especially with Mad, Mad Bump. Uh, in that 2014 year, uh, really just trusting him, riding him as long as he could, and then bring him in to shut it down for Game Seven. Uh, just awesome, I think. So yeah, I I I, I say yes. Uh, what say you, Malin? I think he is, and this is where me and you might disagree on this. I think he's a first ballot. First ballot. Really? Wow. Yep. Yep. Because I, for the life of me, cannot think of any other manager who has been as successful lately in the last 15 years as Bochi has. Yeah. And just, just from the world series fair. perspective, like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could argue, I mean, it, in terms of consistency, I mean, I can maybe see Terry Francona. I like you just because just, yeah, I mean, I figured you'd like that. But, uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe, Madden, Joe Madden's another one for consistency. Joe Madden too. is definitely one, but I, I think Bochi would definitely be first ballot just because of the fact that, I mean, three rings in five years. This is all, guys. It's it's not even close. And plus, he had to he had a huge headache to deal with because I'm pretty sure he was there when Barry Bonds was at the tail end of his career. So I mean, I mm-hmm. get I give him I give him a pass just for having to deal with that circus throughout the end of that career. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's so I mean, so now that we've kind of went over all of the teams, um, give me, so are we kind of decided on the Dodgers take it home easily? Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I got the Dodgers too. Give me a, uh, give me a sleeper. The sleeper, to, the sleeper. I can't, I can't roll out D backs. I'm going to see the sleepers, the Rockies, even though they're going to be world, uh, wild card contenders, but, uh, sleeper to win the division, I think is the Rockies. Not really a sleeper, I guess, because I mean they're probably second favorite, but 
Uh, you're you might you might find this as a hot take. I like the D backs lineup more than the Rockies lineup. Even though that is Arredano a hot take. And Story and Charlie Blackman. Uh, yep. I think Nolan Arenado is gonna. I think Nolan Arenado carries that entire team. So I feel like now that the now that Goldschmidt isn't with the D-backs anymore, I feel like that is a top to bottom lineup that's gonna rely on each other now to get the job done. And I think they have the talent around them to do it. Yeah, I had to set my fan down because it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a, that is an extremely hot take. Uh, and I know your love for the D-backs, but come on, man, Coors Field, it's the ultimate home field advantage. Nolan Arenado might slug fifty bombs this year. Okay, no, he's well, hit 40. Now you he you know I literally just I sang my praises. I told you Nolan Arenado is my favorite on the MVP. So it's like yes, I get that, but at the same time though, I feel like looking at the lineups, I think the D-backs are going to come into the season with something to prove. Yeah, they will. They definitely will. But I can't see them. I can't see them bolting over. I can't, I can't see, see them over. bolting over the Rockies. Uh, just based and the only way it happens is if. Uh, that rotation of the Rockies just doesn't show up at all. Uh, like last year, they were able to go into the wild card because their rotation really exceeded expectations. Like no one expected Kyle Freeland to pitch yeah. the way he did uh, with an under three ERA. Uh, this year, they're not he's not sneaking up on anybody, and neither is anybody else. So I do want to point out though that the Rockies rotation also plays in the worst possible field for pitchers. Yeah, it does, and you know that kind of sucks, but. They were able to figure it out, you know. That's true. Uh, so, I I still have the Rockies, uh, but uh, I will so I will give you credit here, uh, Greg. I will say this, and that is about the fact that uh, when it comes to the D-backs versus the Rockies for second place, uh, the D-backs hands down have the better pitching, and pitching wins every time versus hitting. Mm-hmm. So uh, if it does happen, it's because of that pitching. But I I can't do it because of the I think that lineup's too deep. I think uh, you're blinded by Nolan Arenado being a god too. Well, it's not just Arenado. <laughs> like, we, we haven't even we've been saying the praises of Trevor Story, and he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. And, and what's crazy about that too is they got Brendan Rodgers ready to come up to try to compete for his spot too. They do, and we'll see what happens with that dynamic. I think Rodgers ends up playing second base, but uh, you bring in David Murphy, who in that park is probably going to slug 25. And then David Dahl, who you think is going to be the breakout star, who has I really like David 20, Dahl. He has twenty, he has twenty homer potential, um, and Charlie Blackman can hit thirty easily. So I mean, you combo that with stories thirty five and Aaron Otto's possible fifty. It's a lot of runs, man. It's a lot of home runs, a lot of runs. That's fair. So that's where I'm at. But uh, we should, if it happens, it's the pitching. Like it. Well, there's your NL West preview, guys. Um, thanks for joining us for episode two of Heart of the Order, brought to you by Thoughts for the Bench. Stay tuned for future episodes, and give us a visit at thoughtsforthebench.com. That's all we got time for tonight. Um, stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Later.